Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express, uh, where we find ourselves back awakening to Milan. Uh, we have a lot to get to in this episode, and uh, I have some very particularly interesting things to talk about. If you have not joined uh, the Discord community that we have, uh, please come join us. And you can find it in all of our social media imprints, uh, as well as uh, the Patreon as well. So if you'd like to support the show and you're really, really enjoying it, this is a perfect way to get in and engage and perhaps move the fan hand of fate yourself, which uh, that we will talk about in a moment as well. Uh, so introductions first to my right. Hello, this is Mike, and I'm playing James Robert Fraser, who's had rather interesting dream and has woken up to recall that he's been somewhat busy with a mop and bucket of late. That's so very true. Uh, to his right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and uh, I may have developed an interest in blood magic recently. Hmm. I can't imagine why. Uh, at the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and as usual, I'm cleaning up after the professor. Yeah. Uh, to uh, Mr. Griffiths, right? Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger. I seem to have a lot of red stains on my clothes right now. Oh, I'm sure that they'll just come right out. I'm sure that there's a there's a method of getting those stains out, certainly. Uh, and last but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. And, uh, well, who knows? I mean, there was this big jaw, and then a train, and... A device, and uh, who knows what happened. Well, I do. And so as we raise the curtain tonight, we're going to get to that directly. So at the top of the show, I'd like to say that um, Professor Courtney has likely had a very interesting series of events happen to him. When last you can clearly remember, Richard, there was a massive maw opening. And behind that maw, there was this almost hay bale size of fur and electric light. A gas had been pouring into your room and a growl emanated around and through the woodwork here. And moments before the maw closed on you, a pair of hands came from around behind you and stamped the device onto your face. It moved and adjusted the lenses. And as it did, your body disappears, as does your sight lines. The room literally shatters into thousands of pieces. 
and all that remains are seven very colorful threads woven into the fabric of the expanse around you. You hear and see a being, a very large and somewhat dark one, fall into this abyss, this woven basket of time and space. And then everything suddenly begins to speed up immensely for you. The threads move back and forth around you, through you, and you feel a very almost acidic feeling wash through you, specifically through your eyes. You come to in a flop sweat and a thud back into the hotel room you'd left. The howls still ring in your right ear. And so I'm going to go ahead and play an empowered hand of fate for you as a member of fortune and allow you to survive. Thank you, hand of fate. (laughs) This doesn't preclude you from the after effects. And even as the device still sits now in your cupped hands, you can see the trace amounts of flesh stuck to the inside. And there's this strange filter on everything. There's colors everywhere. It's as if a carnival has been painted over everything. Reds and greens and blues and yellows. And you squint a little and you see purple and orange. It's it's a, it's a bit much. Richard gets up and he... I mean, are these his legs? Are these his feet? Does... Is this real? You get up. Uh, Your your joints respond as they normally would. uh, If a bit creaky, perhaps. When you get up, you dump just a, a flower bag full of this blue powder everywhere. It gets into the grain of the wood... It's all over your bed. Well, Richard will, um, as he always would in these sorts of situations, grab his uh, trusty pair of wooden dice and, uh, well, check they're still there for a start. You put your hand in your pocket and you find your dice. Um, and you kind of reflexively go out to, to pull them out just to use them as a centering device. And now you see interwoven inside the dice all of the different threads from the dreamlands. Am I, am I still there? And uh, Richard will hold one up to the, the light at the window. Well, you, there is no light in the window as it's dark out still. Uh, is there any light in the room at all? Any, is there a fire or a light or mm, there's no fire. You could go to one of the gas lamps. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to know whether this is some, Maybe he's got a knock on the head. Maybe he's seeing colours and spots. Or or maybe, I don't know, maybe it is something in the dice. Okay. You go start up the light. Uh, And with the natural light available to you now, this flame, you do see the 
the threads seem to dim a little bit as you focus in on one of these six-sided dice. And as you hold it up, you can turn it over and see the threads are still present, but if you just concentrate a little, you can get them to either become more pronounced or fade. Your eyes hurt badly. It's like as if you've put on a different pair of prescription glasses. Strange. And and can he see these colors and threads anywhere else? Mm, I mean, if you move around the room, you see them on your hands now. Mm. There's a mirror on the wall. I think Richard's first thought is to... What, what can he see out the window? I mean, it's dark, but can he see some sort of gas lights lighting the street below? Yeah, there's a, there's a few lights here and there. It looks like uh, probably not as many as there might have been previously. You can see many of the gas lamps that are available on the sidewalk here uh, are dim. There's maybe, say, a third of as much. Now, whether that's because of uh, rationing done by Mussolini or not, it's hard to say. Things are not as profitable in Milan as they once used to be. Okay, so Richard's worked out. He's he's in Milan. He doesn't know what's what's happened. What, what happened with this moor? So he's gonna he's gonna get out of this this room and see if he can find anybody else at all. Maybe Maggie's. Does, does he know where Maggie's room is? Mm, yeah, you would know where her room is. But give me a spot hidden roll before you leave. Uh, 55 under 60, so yes. You catch it just in the remaining light in the room as you pass towards the door. You catch something reflect in the mirror. And you turn back because it catches your eye naturally as a human. And when you turn back to the mirror, you see the tiniest change in color in your eyes. Something's different now. And there's a, a compulsion you feel. You're too far from the mirror for now, but you, you need to be closer. Richard will take a closer look in the mirror. You get a little closer. As you near the mirror with this remaining light in the room, you see inside your eyes tiny colorful threads have been woven. Now you roll sanity for me. <laughs> oh no. Um, 56 over 52. Hmm. Alrighty. Well, sir, I take a point of sanity from you in this regard uh, as uh, your eyes have changed into something that looks like a loom has been at work inside of them. Little flecks of yellow and red and blue, even some green. You have changed. Richard's thinking to himself, is this, these threads, are these threads in the dice, is this actually what he's seeing? Or is it because of his eyes that he's seeing the threads? And he's, yeah, really keen just to, to go and find Maggie and see if these dice look strange to her as well. That's a great question. Why don't you, uh, uh so... To be fair to the rest of the uh, assembled investigators, I would imagine Simon would have been having would have a room relatively close to the professor. Yes, I'd probably be next door since I'm not bunking with him now. 
Give me a hard con roll and see if you wake up. You had a fairly busy day yesterday, but it's always possible. That would be a 20 under 90, so it is a hard con roll. Yep. Yeah, so the door opens to the professor's hotel room, and when the door opens, you wake up instantly. Not completely awake, obviously, but you instantly hear a door open and you realize it's not yours and it's coming from your left side, which has to be the professor's room. Uh, may I stealth out of bed? I'm not worried about getting dressed, but uh, I don't want to make noise, like hop out of bed and go, Professor? No. Sure, why not? A little bit of naked stealthing is perfectly fine. Well, I'm, I'm wearing my uh, suit, you know? <laughs> with the Your buttons on suit. no with the buttons on the back for the the drop drawers <laughs> yes. uh, and that is a 38 under 60 for stealth okay yeah you can get out of bed quietly and make it to your door uh, Richard you walk out into the hallway and likely go left towards the staircase uh, which is where Maggie's room is I think in this case, Richard won't politely knock. He'll probably just clutch at the handle and go for the door. Fascinating. Can I tackle the professor? I was in some <laughs> state of undress. Wow. Can you tackle the professor? Well, I'm only seeing him from behind. He just emerged from the room. And... Very well. I would say this. Your tackle is probably out of the question as you're too far. Uh, you've gotten to the door uh, and you're seeing a figure about the professor's size looking like he's going into Maggie's room. Alright, I'll break my stealth at this point. Hold on! What are you doing? Are you yelling? Yes. Okay. Um, so, um, you yell in the hallway. Richard will turn around and say, um, and he's still got them in his hand. Uh, they, 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 these dice, um, what do they look like to you? Are they are they colourful? Are they threads? Simon, at the end of the hallway, there is someone who speaks with the professor's voice. Someone who's turned to you, and their eyes glow in the darkness. They're like a multicoloured set of rainbows. And and now you're gonna you're you're going to roll sanity for me. Hot five. Very good. Um, so you don't cry out, but uh, that's that's not. It ain't right, and uh, you're going to lose two points of sanity because of it, and you might consider going for a pistol. Fraser! Miss Maggie! Uh, the, the, the dice, are they... Can you see the colors? Put your hands on the wall. Uh, but uh, the, the dice... The dice. Can you can you see the dice? I said, put your hands on the wall, sir. The Five, dice. four, three. Which it'll look around and two. Still dice still in hand. One. Put it, put the hand on the wall and the other hand on the wall. Still clutching the dice. Another door opens in the same hallway, Simon, and there's a bit of light that lends itself eventually to the hallway now. And you see Paul 
walk out into the hallway near this gentleman, uh, which the light reveals is Professor Courtney. And Paul walks out and has what looks like a some sort of club with him, like in hand. What the hell is going on? Why are you shouting? Paul, good job. Uh, some, something's wearing the professor's skin over there. What? He looks at you, Professor, and... You're alive! You hear him exclaim. What, 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 what's happened to this crazy place? I, I don't understand. You're all welcome to wake up now. There's more, been more than enough shouting in the hallway. I poke my head out the door. What is this god-awful racket? Some of us are trying to get some rest. What did Miss Bellinger get into this time? Looking down the hallway. Down the hallway, it's a little, it's a little tough to see, but there seems to be Simon, and then in the light at the end of the hallway, you see Paul. He has some sort of club with him, and and he is gesturing. He has a hand a bit on uh, the, uh, a figure that is standing at the end of the hallway with with their arms all the way up, right? And and it's about the professor's size, but it's hard to make out at your angle if it's truly him or not. Mr. Griffith, would you care to explain what is going on? Who is this? Something, it's something wearing the professor's skin. Look at his eyes. I can't. He's turned away. What do you mean wearing his skin? Keep your hands up, sir, and turn around. Should all turn slowly around? I, I, I demand to know what's going on here. I... Uh, uh, and he just for the benefit of the rest of you I will give you an example of what they look like color wise um, so interwoven around in his eyes are some fairly dramatic colorings Lady E wants to know how she can get a hold of, of eyes like that uh, 17 um, under 56 take one at minimum that's quite something. You didn't know eyes came like that. <laughs> and so, yes, you're somewhat familiar with how in the world this happened. You're not certain that's the professor either. I mean, you've seen the professor's eyes. They don't look like that. Well, it rather looks like Professor Courtney, except for the eyes. You see what I'm saying? It's wearing his skin. Paul, you see it too, right? I don't, I don't... Professor, what did you do to your eyes? I have no idea. I um, All I remember is putting the device on and uh, I saw a large ah. maw and then I have recollections of a dream. I don't know how I went from one to the other and even when I, or how I, I came back here, it's um, uh, these dice, they're, they're, there's colours in them. Can, can you see this? It's a skinwalker. Mr. Griffith, it's obvious just the device has affected his eyes somehow. Perhaps if you wear it too many times, it changes the colors of your eyes. I don't see what all the fuss is about. As professor, you might want to put a hat on or something so you don't terrify everyone you run into. Also, you might want to knock at Miss Bellinger's door instead of just barging in. Uh, she's been rather violent of late. 
Who? Paul steps in the way. Uh, yeah, you you don't you don't want to go in there. You don't want to go in there. You want to give uh, Miss Bellinger time to wake up and properly come out. She's had um, some difficulties, and so I'm going to get my doctor back, and I'll be right back. Is she okay? Um, it kind of makes a strange noise at you. <laughs> turns around and goes right, and it gives you a, and then turns around and, and goes back to his room. What? What? What's? What's wrong with her? Did something happen to her too? I think possibly by this this point, um, Mr. Fraser has uh, has managed to uh, get out of the the door to his room. It's 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 a uh, it's a it's a little bit warped and stuck. It's taken him a while to, to get it open <laughs> while all this has been going on. Um, he's wearing his uh, his pajamas and dressing gown and a pair of slippers. He says, "What's what's going on out here?" And uh, you can see um, that he has uh, quite discreetly, um, sort of to to his side, um, he's, he's holding a, a revolver in his hand. What's all the shouting about? Professor Courtney, is that you? I, yes, it is. Um, n- nobody will talk to me or tell me what's happening. I, G- God, man, what's happened to your eyes? I, uh, you I'm can see that too. This is the point where I got some sanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> Go right ahead. It is something to get used to. That is eighty-four over forty-three. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> see what trouble gets into. Uh. All right. Uh, I should take three sanity from you in that regard. All righty then. Fraser, it's good you're up. I'm going to go put on my pants. Good grief, man. What happened to you? Shoves a gun into his pocket and and, and runs over to Professor Courtney. You have a revelation as you're stepping over to the professor, uh, Mr. Fraser, and that is you remember the locomotive. Like It snaps immediately into your mind. You remember the professor wearing the device in the locomotive. You remember him. Did he command the train with the device? Did he drive it? Yes. That's that's a lasting memory from that dream. He had some sort of control over it with the device. Is this, is, is this that in, infernal contraption that you're always sticking on your face has done this to you, Professor? I told you, you should not meddle with that kind of thing. What's it done to you, man? I don't know. Um, I, no, no one will look at these dice. Are they, do you see colours in I these dice? Damn the dice, man. Look at your eyes. It's, it's important. I need to know whether I'm seeing this or, or whether it's the dice. What does it matter about the dice? Have you not seen your own eyes, man? The dice are nothing. Your eyes, they're, they're multicoloured. There's something inside them. Is there something inside you, man? Yes, I'm, I'm trying to work out what it is. I, I, I need to know whether my vision's normal or whether um, whether that's been affected too. Where, where's Paul? Paul, he'll surely know. He comes back out with the doctor's bag. Uh, yes? Paul, 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 have you seen Professor... The, the, the Professor's eyes! Have you seen them, man? Good God. He seems to stammer backwards. They're wonderful. I will never mind that. What is it? What's what? What causes that to happen? I've never seen a man's eyes um, like it. Um, well, there are potentially uh, several different. Um, did you have any um, eye pain or, or rupturing, perhaps? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember much at all. He sticks his hand in his doctor's bag and 
pulls out a pair of forceps and then puts them back and then kind of moves around in there and pulls out a um, a tongue depressor. Uh, oh, oh, open up. Open up your mouth and see if there's some, something in it. He <laughs> grabs you by the forehead and tries to force a wood tongue depressor like into your mouth. <laughs> no, there's nothing there. It can't be sinus related. Hmm. He sticks the tongue depressor in his back pocket and goes back into the bag. Um, he fishes out like a, a a bottle of something. They look like white pills. He opens it up. He puts two of them in your hand. You'll be perfectly fine in the morning. I don't need any more drugs. I, I, I need to know what's going on here. He takes two himself. He, he stuffs the rest of them back in the bag. I don't know. You, I've never seen anything like it. You're going to need some sunglasses or something. Where have you been, Professor? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to find out. Maybe, what was it? Was it perhaps the, the, the train? Something to do with the, the train? Paul steps inside Maggie's room. Is Maggie still there? <laughs> yeah, she's still right there, Paul. Um, you feel a hand on your right shoulder. Miss, Miss Bellinger? Oh. Wake up. Uh, yes. Paul, what is it? <sighs> How are we feeling today? You hear, like, vo- raised voices outside your door. Is there, are, is everyone arguing outside? Um, oh, Paul, well, are they upset with me? Um, well, that's yet to be determined. But uh, it's clear that one thing is uh, very exciting that's happened, and that would be that um, Professor Courtney has returned. Oh, uh, yes, I already knew. I saw him last night. What? In my dream. He looks a little funny at you. Um, of course, dear. Um, but But he's actually in the hallway. Yes, of course. He came back with us on the train. Good roll, Saul. Some sanity for Paul. <laughs> Poor guy. Hmm. All right. You had a you had a dream about him. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I have dreams about all of you from uh, time to time. But I suppose I should go out there and make sure he's all all together himself. I yeah. I was dreadfully worried that when you took the blue powder, you were taking a piece of him away. Oh, of course, yes. And uh, doesn't seem to be. Uh, he seems to be all there, at least I think. I haven't done any cursory, oh, anything more than a cursory examination. Oh, um, his eyes are a little different, so bear that in mind. Bear that in mind? It's, yeah, is there an accident? Here, I'm going to leave a couple of these here on the news, the, the, the nightstand for you. Take them before you come out, okay? Thanks. Um, okay. Maggie will mm. take the pills and not take long to, like, straighten. She'll just kind of get up and head out. Everyone's arguing. Richard's back. She's not going to worry about looking too nice. Sure. We return to the hallway. What's what's the ruckus out here? Why are you guys arguing? Richard's back. This is you should be celebrating. Ah, Maggie, I... Oh, hello, Richard. I've been looking for you. Um, Everyone's making such a fuss about uh, my eyes. Holy bowly. All right, Miss Bellinger. Yeah. Let's have it. Mm-hmm. And I've gazed into Richard's eyes a number of times, so I know yes, exactly it, what to expect, and that's not there. Like Aunt e- like at Aunt E's place when you two were on the couch together? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 20. Oh. You lose one. Um... 
Yes, there is something that has changed in Richard and it's his eyeballs. Richard, that is so strange. And I would maybe even like look closer, like get my face pretty close to his to see what's going on in there. Okay, so not to be specific, but Miss Bellinger, how close are you getting? Oh, like I'd get like right up in there. How far? Okay. Is that like six inches, seven inches? Are you gonna are you gonna concentrate on them? Well yeah. Okay, make of a slot hidden roll. Of course. A 28 under 31. Yeah, yeah, those are totally different colors. Oh my God, they move. That's what I was wondering. That's why I looked at them. Uh, they're, they're like threads that move in his eyes. That's so strange, Richard. They're, it's moving. Are they worms? No, no, it looks like sewing thread. Oh. It looks like the flex of his eyes now move a little bit and change. Paul, did you do this when you took the powder and you put it in the ether? Was that your experiment, Paul? Um, not exactly. He calls from his room. You hear a what sounds like some water or something being mixed up in a in a glass with a metal spoon. He comes back <laughs> out and he hands it to Richard. Here, here. T- uh, bottoms up. Bottoms up on you. Uh, uh, hang on a moment. Um, What's this about blue powder and ether? Oh, uh, he he uh, turns to you. Um, when you left, when when we came back, and the the room had nothing but, uh, well, the the room had nothing but blue powder in the shape of your body in it. I I took a small bit of it and did a little bit of experimentation on it. Ah, uh, did you not think that would be unwise? I mean, if um, the entirety of this was required to reconstitute myself, I mean, there must surely be maybe my toes are missing. Exactly what I said, Richard. Have you noticed any small parts of you missing, Professor? Um, well, I... Richard's gonna... T- well, th- 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 there's something wrong with his eyes for a start. Does Richard have shoes on? Uh, no. No, no. no Richard will just look at his toes. Yeah, you seem to be you seem to be there for the most part. I, I believe I'm complete, unless I'm maybe missing an appendix or, or, or perhaps a kidney or something. Well, it's been said that the body might be able to exist simply with one kidney. Well, just a guess. I'm no medical expert. You see a couple of other people come into the hallway, a little aghast at what's going on. You hear, can you can you keep that down? Uh, uh, yes, perhaps we should um, freshen ourselves up and continue this conversation over breakfast. Is it? Is it morning time now? Paul reaches into his uh, vest and pulls the pocket watch out. It looks like it's uh, half five. So morning is soon to arrive. I'm, I'm happy to go back to bed, to be honest. Well, I don't know if Richard should be out of sight right now. Uh, we lost him once. I would hate to lose him again. Oh, um, speaking of, perhaps some... Um... Perhaps then, Miss Bellinger, you would give me a little time with your uh, hotel room this morning. Perhaps you and Richard could um, uh, perhaps just lounge or, or stay or read the paper in, in his room. I have some things that I need to attend to with your room. 
yes, of course, I was actually thinking that uh, Mr. Griffith could stay with Richard, and then I could go freshen up in Lady Elizabeth's room. Wonderful. Yes, wonderful. Lady Elizabeth's door has, meanwhile, just gone click. <laughs> Miss Fraser, what are you up to then? I was going to say, if Lady Elizabeth has kind of flashed a glance over, making it clear that uh, her her room is her own private domain, and, uh, and she she will allow uh, visitors at uh, at her pleasure rather than at anybody else's. Miss Ballinger, you're you're more than welcome to uh, to use uh, to use my room such as it is uh, at any time. Uh, I, I will, uh, uh, of, of course, uh, I, I, I will uh, bunk down with uh, with uh, Paul or or with uh, um, Mr. Griffith, uh, if that's all right with uh, with them. Um, well, um, I appreciate that, but I believe um, me and Lady Elizabeth have some things to discuss. Well, if uh, if her ladyship uh, is willing, then uh, I suppose that would be all right. But uh, I, of course, uh, I can't speak for her. You'd need to uh, ask her yourself if uh, if that was acceptable to her. You do hear the one door lock from that portion of the hallway. Um, yes, of course. So I will go over to Lady Elizabeth's room. Um, uh, Lady Elizabeth, I understand that this may um, be awkward at this time between us, but I believe that I have um, amends to make, um, bridges to rebuild, um, and I I think I have an explanation for my actions that I would love to share with you. I think you'll find it quite interesting if you would just give me a few moments of uh, your time. And I promise you I'm feeling much better. I duck my head back out in the hallway. I've got my pants on with suspenders, and I go, "All good here." Oh, uh, Mister Mister Griffith, Paul says from down the hallway. Would you give me a hand for something? All right, Paul. Does it involve touching the professor? No, sir. Thank God. If you would feel better, I could talk from this side of the door, and you could stay on that side of the door. But that does seem silly, and it kind of puts our business out there for everyone. The door slowly swings open, and I'm standing there with both hands resting on my walking stick and uh, one eyebrow raised almost all the way to my hairline. Well, Miss Bellinger, have you come to inform me how everything seems to be my fault and how nothing of the sort of danger that we've been in has uh, would have been occurring had it not been for me? And is this your way of making amends? Because if it is, I am not interested in it at all. I think I was speaking to one um, specific incident when I uh, said those things with the nice young lady who has deceased now. But I have some concerns, and I think that they are up your alley as they are of the um, magical nature. Yes, well... I think there may be something contributing to me not feeling um, so well and I would be happy to um, share that information with you in private. Can you promise me you're not going to attempt to murder me with my own walking stick? Slow blink. I cross my heart. 
Very well. But you understand, of course. You will be sitting on one side of the room, and I will be sitting on the other side of the room, where I can keep a close eye on you. I completely understand that. Yes, quite. Uh, Mr. Fraser? Do keep an ear out, if you don't mind. Of course, your ladyship, yes. And I will step aside to let Maggie in, uh, but keeping a very, very tight grip on my walking stick. Obviously. To clear a couple of things up before we move forward with that wonderful scene, um, Simon, you and Paul very discreetly, very quickly remove an object from Miss Bellinger's room, uh, and that would be the rug which once graced the floor here. The two of you take it out back, and you take it to a specific location a couple blocks away from the hotel, where uh, in the very early morning hours, the two of you very discreetly uh, bury it. I mean, the other option is, is we could dump it into the sewer. I'm strong enough to lift up the manhole cover. Yeah, any uh, any suggestion of such would, would get a quick no from uh, Paul, who reminds you how um, bodies thrown into wells and other waterways has done terrible, terrible things to uh, towns in the past. And so uh, Paul even goes as far as to uh, say a very small prayer for the departed. Um, it is clear, however, that the rug is far, far larger than the object contained therein. And it seems that, um, without, of course, getting too ghastly, it seems that the object was easily foldable. I've seen stuff like that happen in war. Certainly. Um, But the two of you, you take care of that. Um, And so the other item is something that comes to Fraser when he goes back into his own room just to uh, another memory and uh, something uh, in a dream drifts up for him that he gets it's a it's a song actually that comes to mind it's a voice singing a song you must have heard it you must have heard it in a dream somewhere but you swear you could have heard when you woke just the ringing aftertones of uh, Miss Cavallero singing and it's a tone you remember because you had heard her sing the song uh, on the train that evening. And so as much as you woke with a concern over your what was going on in the hallways, as you sit now bedside or even in the, in the chair that's available there, mm-hmm. you still have that ringing in your ears of her amazing singing voice. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. We really need to do something about this. Uh, I need to find Mr. Griffith, speak to him. Perhaps a trip to the uh, automobile factory is in order. Uh, I suppose we should tell the others as well. He's just kind of muttering to himself. Sure. I can see that. Uh, Miss Ballinger, uh, Lady Elizabeth, if you would. Maggie will enter and take a spot across the room as requested by Lady Elizabeth. And she will probably talk a little bit quieter, knowing that Fraser is probably listening at least somewhat for loud noises. She will say, now, Lady Elizabeth, I know that you are expecting 
an explanation from me, and so um, this may come as a shock to you. But do you remember when we were in France and there was the arm and I touched the arm and then me and the arm had this thing and then Richard and I did experiments and we thought it was the plants and they could hurt the plants, but it wasn't. But then we realized that the arm could hurt me and that there's something with me in the arm and if Richard hits the arm, it hurts me. But then sometimes the arm just hurts a lot. And so Richard had to put the your bracelet that you gave me that I believe was your aunt's, yes, that stopped it from hurting. So obviously it is having more and more of an impact on me. But then your bracelet disintegrated, and I think that is something that has to do with the arm. So we had to tear apart the cart and get the copper and wrap it around my arm. And so it seems like things are just getting worse and worse and worse. And, and I'm concerned that the arm now, you know, the statue arm and my arm is maybe impacting me in other ways and making me do things that I normally wouldn't do, like attack you with a cane and say all those mean, mean things to you. So damaging the arm affects you? Uh, yes, it does. That's why I, I don't really let anyone else um, um, touch it ever or handle it. Hmm. I'd like to have a look at it, just for, out of professional curiosity, you understand. Well, I wondered if that might be the case, because I know that you know more about this, and perhaps you could figure out why it's making me act in these irrational ways. That's the only thing that I could think of that would make sense, because it seems to be getting worse. And then it really hurt when that thing attacked us on the train, but you were in your car, so you weren't there for that, but it was quite dreadful. You didn't think that perhaps coming to me about this sooner with all of my abilities to research and, and look into things might have been useful? Well, no, I didn't want to worry you and everyone else into thinking that ah, I was yes, compromised. yes, you didn't want to worry me. So you attacked me with my own cane and started screaming obscenities at me in a hotel well, I, instead. I didn't expect that, makes complete that to happen. Sense. I did not expect that to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but it did, and now we're here, and I just wanted to give you a plausible explanation for why that would happen and the other reason I didn't tell you is that I was concerned it would get back around to Mr. Griffith and Mr. Fraser and they certainly wouldn't understand these things and would want to somehow immediately stop it and I don't necessarily think that's the answer You mean you don't wish to have your arm detached from your body? No, well not, not my physical arm, no Hmm that would, I think, be Mr. Griffith's proposed method of dealing with the problem. That might be quite right, but re regardless, I think it, it, on our journey, we may have to lean into this more rather than pulling back from what's happening. You said there's a connection between you and the arm? Uh, yes, between the arm and my arm. Is there a visible manifestation? Not that we've noticed. Hmm. Oh, but we haven't checked with the with the sextant yet. That was my next question. Uh, no, we haven't used that. I can't believe we haven't thought of that sooner, to use that to try to see the connection between them. That's what I would have suggested doing first. This is why, Miss Bellinger. Precisely why I came to you now. Quite late in the process, I might add. In the future, Miss Bellinger, perhaps you should consider consulting me earlier in the process before it leads you on the path of madness? Uh, yes, I will take that under strong consideration. Well, perhaps we should speak to the professor about uh, using the device on the 
arm. Yes, and you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to see the arm. Yes, I do. And my arm. I could go get the arm. That would be wonderful, thank you. And he'll rush to go get the arm. Because she's thoroughly, okay. she's, she thinks she has hopefully distracted Lady Elizabeth from what she did. <laughs> Enough that she doesn't really have to apologize for it. Shiny magic items. Look, shiny magic item. Shiny magic item. Okay, yeah, you go and grab the arm. Uh, you pick it up, and you realize something is missing in your room. The rug's gone. Um, there's, there's quite a large red stain on the floor where it was, though. All right, you grab the arm. Oh, oh, jeez, that elbow is acting up again. Trick elbow. Oh, I will have to warn Lady Elizabeth to be gentle with this. Indeed. Uh, you get back, arm and toe. Okay, so, yes, uh, Lady Elizabeth <laughs> and Fraser would see me leave, go to my room, come back with an arm. <laughs> with the arm for Lady Elizabeth. <laughs> I think I've probably by this stage I've gone into, oh, okay. into my room rather than lo loitering about the. Do we have um, like a, a sort of a, a common room that's that's ours, mm -hmm. like a suite or just a corridor yeah. of the hotel? This is just a corridor for this hotel. There's no common room for it. Yeah. It's basically just this, the five of you, six of you, with Paul lined up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, maybe spend a, a, a moment or two just checking that um, Professor Courtney is is all right. Um, is it? Did he go off earlier on with uh, to his own room, or has he still been standing in the corridor? I, I thought he should be in his own room at this point. Okay, I'll just He's probably just staring at his dice. Yeah. Well, Lady Elizabeth, um, here is arm. Please be careful, because my elbow's already hurting a bit from it. I will exercise the most appropriate caution. I'll take the take the arm and look at it. Okay. And flick the elbow. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, that hurts. Oh, 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 oh the Well, now I see it. Before the copper was blocking it and I don't I don't know if there's enough of it. Maybe I need more. Now I can see it does in fact seem to have a connection. So we have confirmed uh, your hypothesis. So we can continue with our investigation. Yes, we. And tried I'm not at smiling all. at all; just being very clinical and and detached. But uh, there is a slight quirk of the eyebrow. As we tried to ask Paul about it, but um, we didn't really want to tell him everything, and and um, he said there wasn't anything physically wrong with my arm. Um, so I know I know that it's not physically that it's not, it's not me it's it's some sort of connection. Do you have any ideas or thoughts as to why it's connected to you in particular? And I'm going to um, just be looking at it examining it from a variety of angles. My only thought was that it I'm the one that I'm the one that picked it up first. Hmm just sort of latched onto you, I suppose. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. 
Hopefully not like some sort of leech. Well. From the inspection, Lady Elizabeth, you can tell it's it's ornate. Um, it, it seems to have patterns within patterns to it. Uh, so it is not simply just a, a random arm. It's, uh, it's something quite um, beautiful. It's a master's work. Um, and even as you look at the patterns, you can see that the patterns are made up of patterns. And so there's these beautiful fleur-de-lises that are worked into portions of it that are part of an overall scheme and flowers and just, it, um, it's beautiful. And you say there's no physical manifestations on your own person? Uh, no, not that I have seen, and I would imagine that um, that Paul would have said anything if he noticed mm. any changes in the number of times he's examined me. Well, I will have to do some research. Uh, I know of uh, psychic links, but those tend to lead to uh, stigmata and other physical manifestations uh, of, of the link. I've read about those, but this seems to be completely different. Perhaps we should uh, use the professor's device first, see what we can learn about that, and then I can have a look in my books on my own this time. Um, yes, hopefully you don't need any translations. I think we'd better put that one on hold for a bit, don't you? Uh, yes, I think that would be best. Uh, and I set the arm down on a side table a little too hard. Yeah, ow. Oh, Lady Elizabeth, like I said, it's very sensitive. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not used to handling something so delicate. Um, perhaps we should summon the professor. Yes, I, I think that would be a good idea. Hopefully he's okay from his trip wherever he was. That's a good question. So, Professor, you're... Uh... You're making do as best you can with the dice. Um, you still see the threads in them. Um, you're not sure why anybody else didn't. You probably have done a little time in front of the mirror just staring closer at your own eyeballs, which is a little disconcerting, too. Um, you can see them move in, in patterns and ways. You watch your eyes adjust to the depths and it's uh, it's going to be something to get used to yes Richard's wondering how on earth his eyes got that way but what does it mean because surely that yeah something happened something did something did Maggie are you summoning the professor as it were yes I will go to his room and um summon him that way. Though it does feel strange saying, I know that you just returned from a powder and that your eyes have gone all wonky, but can you put that thing on again? Yes, yes, I then I, I mean, what do you need to know? Oh, um, Lady Elizabeth uh, okay, so here's the story from when you were gone. So Lady Elizabeth had this book in, but it was in a different language that she didn't speak and none of us spoke, so they decided that we needed to get an interpreter, and so we had an interpreter come up to interpret it, but things got really bad. She went crazy. She turned into some sort of monster, and I had flashbacks to the skinless one, and I also 
went a, a little out of my mind and I I don't remember much, but I believe I tore her to shreds and then beat Lady Elizabeth with her own cane and blamed her for everything. But I think it might be the arm. And so I told Lady Elizabeth that it might be the arm. And then she had this wonderful idea that maybe you could see the connection between me and the arm with this, with the sextant. Ah, yes. I'm, I, I believe this thing is capable of much more than I, I ever thought possible originally. I'm, I mean, it was able to, you, you, um, these threads, I, I, I think they're the weave of, of everything, the fabric, and, and, and this can somehow see through it and between it, over it and under it, and yes, yes, I think that's a great idea. That would certainly make sense. So the, the arm is in her room if you wanted to come, come with me back to Lady Elizabeth's room and then we can explore this further together. Yes. Uh, how, how, how is your arm? He softens a bit. There's a twinge as I'm tapping on the arm with my fingers. I believe Lady Elizabeth is looking at it right now. Um, perhaps uh, maybe a little too rough. I can feel I, the copper doesn't seem to be working anymore. Or at least uh, it's not um, It's not a, a protective barrier entirely. Uh, we, we should haste then before she does something else with it. All right, uh, you hasten over there. Richard, you come to the realization that you're far more comfortable with the device out of its case and just in your pocket than it being hidden away anymore. That makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, it's useful, right? So why would you want to leave it in a hotel? I mean, you could be halfway down the, the streets of Milan and, you know, I mean, something might might need investigating. And where would you be then? It's very true. Uh, the two of you arrive back in uh, Lady Elizabeth's room where she's taking a hammer dulcimer to the arm. No, I'm kidding. doesn't do that. You two arrive back in the room. Hmm. Ah, oh, Professor. How are you feeling? Um, uh, y y yes, I'm fine, thank you. I, where's the arm? Yes, um, oh, Lady Elizabeth. Oh, this arm. Yes, yes, it's the one. It's right here. Did you bring the device? Uh, yes, I did. I, I, I have it with me. We rather thought we could do some research using your device on this thing. Uh, yes, well, lay the arm. In fact, I think it'd be better if, um, well, let me think about this. Um, uh, Maggie, can you, can you stand at one end of the room and we'll, we'll put the arm at the other. I believe if there is some sort of connection between them, it would be easier for me to see it if there was some distance and it was more obvious what that connection might look like if it was if you were hugging it or something then um yes that may be more difficult to see any sort of threads or strands yes of course miss bellinger you look like you're in some degree of discomfort would you care to have a seat yes uh that that would be nice and maggie's probably clutching her arm it's been hurt by all of the experiments with the other arm certainly all right then professor what's the game so Rich is going for his blue lens and um, probably, probably green one again, I think. Green one has proven useful. Yep. All right. So go ahead and make me a power roll. Uh, Richard's going to try some sort of single-handed maneuver. So he's, he's going to manipulate this thing in his pocket, take it out and just sort of put it on as if you might a uh, familiar pair of sunglasses or something. 
All right. Sounds good to me. So we've got 56 under 80. Okay. You fire it up. Um, yeah, you casually place it over your face. It it feels um, fairly natural. Uh, it's always felt that way, but when you're, it takes a lot less of time for your vision to sync up with the changes in the lens color. And you see it immediately. Um, you see threads that exist between the arm and Maggie. And you see what appear to be very deep red threads kind of go back and forth and back, almost in a sine wave, almost in this beautiful pattern. And then woven between them, you see a yellow coloring. And you will spend four points of magic to do so. Mm-hmm. Do you see anything, Professor? Can Richard hear in his trance state? Mm, absolutely. You now hear the room as well. Yes, um, he's, he's a bit... Um, I quite know the word is. This is unusual that he can hear people around him. Um, yes, I can see a connection. It's uh, red in nature. He's going to sort of lean over and try and touch threads. You reach out to touch the threads and you see them pass through your hands. They almost pass over and then when you kind of force your hand in a bit, they end up passing through them. And for a point of fact that is new now, Lady Elizabeth, you've never seen or heard Richard respond to you while you're talking to him when he's had the device on. He's actively responding to what you're saying. Ah, excellent. So we can proceed. And I'm going to uh, lightly flick the arm. Tell me if the colors change. Oh, they get they definitely get more intense when she touches it yes what what happened I touched the arm in a slightly forceful way does that hurt Maggie um you should as well uh yeah no and any 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 um we'll say invigorating touching done to the arm would definitely cause her a little bit of distress. Oh, if we could do less of that and just more... I don't know. But if it's necessary, go on. I'll just get Paul to give me something later. It's a scientific inquiry, Miss Bellinger. We have to see what happens. And we're trying to determine the nature of the connection between you and this arm. Is it only... Shall we say... Painful touching? And then... I'm just going to gently wrap my hand around the uh, the arm, kind of like in a comforting gesture almost. Does that change anything? Can you feel that? It doesn't feel good, but it doesn't hurt. Hmm. Did the color change, Professor? Um, nothing, um, nothing discernible. How, how about trying to take the copper bracelet off and seeing if... Uh... That makes any difference. Only, only temporarily, you understand? Yes, of course. And I'll use my other hand to take the copper 
wrap wire off. Oh, yeah. You do not like the intensity of how that feels now. I put it right back on. The lines for you, Richard, brighten up immensely. Uh, and they almost thicken. Richard, that hurt quite a bit, and I would prefer to not do it again. No, no, quite. I mean, I could see the, uh, the whatever connection was there was uh, definitely intensified when you uh, you took that off. Um, perhaps we could maybe fashion a copper box or something for it, uh, for the arm and not your hand, you understand? You also have seen, Miss Bellinger, that the copper wiring that he got, they pulled from the train, even as high class and, and, and uh, generally decent cage that it is, it is beginning to green. I, I do have another concern. If you remember how um, the bracelet Lady Elizabeth gave to me corroded, uh, this copper is beginning to turn as well. So we are going to either need more of it or perhaps that box idea that you had. Ah, let, me, um, let me take a look at the bracelet. Richard turns his gaze towards uh, Maggie's wrist. Yeah, you stay staring at the bracelet for a little while. You see that it seems like, depending upon what position it is on her arm, it seems it, basically the, the further and further it gets towards her elbow, the more effective it seems to be. When it's it's towards her wrist and nearly off her hand, that's that's when the the colors get way more intense. It it has some power then it seems or some ability to dampen what's going on but she had it on earlier when uh, Lady Elizabeth was um, testing the arm and the pain still goes through I think we have an opportunity to optimize this um, I think maybe a slightly thicker band and uh, something that's sort of worn further up the arm I think would be uh, would be perfect maybe put the arm in a box oh um, you think of something professor um, um, there in a lot of cultures there are um, cuffs or, or, or armbands that are worn just at the bottom of the, the bicep. And if they could have one fashioned, perhaps with a thicker piece of copper, it might be a little bit more effective. Yes, let's see if we can find a, I don't know, a jeweler or something who, uh, who carries copper. Yes, I'm sure we'll be able to do that. So, uh, Simon, you and Paul return from your duty. It's probably, at this point, getting on around uh, half six. And so the hotel is starting to wake up and, and the workers were there within are preparing breakfast. And you pretty much walk into the smell of fresh coffee. Uh, Paul, want to grab a pot and take it upstairs? Absolutely. Two, actually. Let's do that. Maybe uh, a basket or something, like some biscuits, mm -hmm. uh, cr croissants, or uh, bread of some. What do they? What do they call their loaves of bread down here? It's not baguettes because that was French. I think they just call it bread. That, but mind you, I spent a little time in in France, and I'll have you know that any time that you wish to be done with murdering the French language, please see to it. He pats you on the shoulder. I only murdered Germans, not Frenchmen. Yet. He kind of gives you an eye and then goes about to collecting breakfast items. But uh, I'm certain that you all have things that you need to get to today. You were 
looking for a opera singer still? Uh, 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 on keep it down, sir. He looks around paranoid. I will explain upstairs after we've all had a cup. Certainly. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, speaking of, I'll grab the coffee. Pardon, do you have any tea for the uh, English folks? I can. Uh, I have some. I I have some tea upstairs. I will just get fresh water. I'm certain that I'll be able to attend to. All right. I, I just know that you know if Lady E is forced to drink coffee, you know, none of us are going to be a happy. You know, it's come to my knowledge and attention that you don't force her to do anything. I know, but the thing is, is if we, if we do not bring up the water for the tea, she's going to send one of us right back down. Well, she has a assistant, a personal assistant that can do that, but, but we'll, help, we'll help him out. He's already had a long evening. And have you seen his knees? Uh, no, sir. Well, I mean, not since the train. I, I'm certain he'll be he'll be right as rain at at some point. Well, his knees will be able to predict the rain soon enough. Paul wanders off. Breakfast is eventually retrieved for everyone. It's clear, Professor, that you determine a few things, right? The lens shows that there is a definitive energy connection between the arm and between Maggie. Whether it be the mundane experiments of it being struck or hurt in some fashion, having some effect on her, and then also the additional dimensions that you have the ability to gaze into clearly show that there is a more ephemeral connection between the two of them. So that's pretty well confirmed at this point. And that it's possible that with a thicker band of copper around her bicep or her elbow, she might be able to avert some of the pain, but not all. So I'm going to suggest that uh, in the future, when we find any more of these pieces, um, we don't touch them with bare hands, but also that, Miss Bellinger, you don't touch them at all. Otherwise, you might find yourself transforming into this thing. Well, I was actually thinking the opposite, and that I should be the one that touches them, because it will spare the rest of you. And if it is only affecting me, then that is me and then four unaffected individuals. Whereas if we are each individually being affected, that's five affected individuals. Well, if you want to turn yourself into a human simulacrum, that is, of course, your right. But either way... We should be more careful. I I do agree with that, and perhaps touching them without with with gloved hands, uh, no skin contact, perhaps that will solve it. Or if we can immediately put it into one of these boxes, yes, we will just have to see what happens. Yes, well, I do wish you hadn't touched this without thinking about it first, but, uh, well, perhaps we can learn something when it comes to the... Do you always think before touching statues or fountains, maybe? Yes, 
They're quite dirty most of the time. That's true. We did find this one in a cave. And usually I have Mr. Fraser pick things up for me, so... If only we all had a Mr. Fraser. Indeed. So, after breakfast, because you're all likely going to want to eat something, we will say that you get attended to whatever coffees or teas, etc. I'd like to get an idea of what... Two things. One, where you're planning on going for the day, uh, if you're going to be together or if you're going to separate. And then, uh, Richard, I, I need to know if you're taking any precautions before stepping out into... Um, the city streets. Mr. Fraser will um, definitely want to follow up some of the um, work that they did yesterday with regard to uh, trying to find what's happened to uh, Caterina Cavaliero. Um, but he's, he's also um, going to share their uh, the results of their uh, previous investigations with, with the rest of the party just to see if, if there's any interest from uh, anyone else okay. in, in, in joining them. And Simon is going to specifically let Paul know, following up on what Fraser is saying, that, you know, this is why we're not talking downstairs, because it's involving the black shirts, too. Paul acknowledges you, and obviously he's agrees that there's some concern with, with, with the fascists here. You need to be careful. He then provides, along with breakfast, the morning paper, in case anyone wants to read it. Absolutely, yes. Um, if he's already done that, that, that would have been something that would have been on um, Mr. Fraser's list of things to do in the morning with regard to yeah, getting breakfast and that, but if, if uh, Paul's already preempted that. He's simply provided the paper for you, sir, so that way you have it. But uh, given my uh, foreknowledge of you wanting to generally peruse the paper, you would have come across an article which uh, talks about an automobile worker being murdered. Does it have a, a name? Uh, the body of an automobile worker was discovered in a laneway off of Via Tavazano in Portello, not far from the Alfa Romeo factory where he worked. It looks like the gentleman had been stabbed to death. The police are pursuing inquiries amongst the workers in the area. The gentleman was an active trade unionist uh, and is reported to have been arguing about union matters with other workers in recent days. This does likely um, raise an eyebrow with you, Mr. Fraser, given the sheer amount of um, fascists in Milan. Bearing in mind that um, this chap is uh, a, an active unionist, is that um, likely to have... What's, what's the attitude of the, the black shirts and the fascists to trade unions? For the most part, unless industry was completely behind what Mussolini wanted to do, um, the Blackshirts would definitely give them an eye. They still need Alfa Romeo to make cars. They still want that happening. But yeah, certainly any unionist beliefs would be um, likely dis dis uh, disparaged. They wouldn't want them. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. They would be serving, they want to be serving Mussolini, not serving um, the workers. You know, the, <laughs> the workers, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I think uh, with that in mind, um, he'll probably make a beeline straight for um, Simon uh, and show him, show him the article in the, in the paper. S S Simon, Simon, have you seen this? No. Is, is, is this paper in English, French, or Italian? Uh, this paper's in English. 
Ah, uh, here we are. We're dealing with an Alpha Romeo taking away Miss Katarina. And we have a, a man of the people murdered by the Black Shirts. And he is tied with the Automakers Union. And we, we, we don't know who killed him. I mean, we can perhaps assume that uh, it's black shirt related, but we don't know that for sure. Though. We don't, but this is this is a safe assumption to begin working off of, is all I'm saying. Aye, aye, indeed. I wanted to go and, uh, and investigate this uh, this factory anyway, because I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of a tie-in here, and this, this, this seems to be seems to be too much of a coincidence. Perhaps, perhaps this fellow knew too much. Perhaps he knew something or saw something and he was silenced question um you would know more about this since you're uh, european but in england many of the people who run companies are nobility correct they own the company uh, or whatnot no uh, not not at all no quite, quite the reverse the the, the uh, uh, perhaps the uh, the owner of the uh, the land where on the factory is built it would be uh, of, uh, of that class but uh, no, uh, the people who own and, and run factories and, uh, and production uh, lines and that sort of thing, uh, they, they wouldn't be of the aristocracy, no. I'm just wondering, who would we be dealing with here? Because we're talking about someone with some leverage, correct? Who Who's able to kidnap a popular figure and get away with it seemingly with the help of the black shirts because there's not a big kerfuffle about it correct i i well what what do we know we know that there was uh, an alfa romeo drew up to the station Aye. we know that uh, katarina got into the the car uh, and there was no struggle or she seemed to be getting in of her own free will and uh, th- that it drove away with her Aye. We know that there's a there's a factory near town. We can perhaps assume that whoever she got into into the car with was either uh, uh, the owner of the car or perhaps a, a driver, perhaps uh, somebody who who told her she, they'd been sent to pick her up to take her somewhere. Let's go talk with our, our two friends, and uh, our, well, one of them's going to hopefully be our driver and or translator, and. Um, see if they know of anyone who owns an Alfa Romeo who knows uh, Miss Katarina or if she has any ties or knowledge of the owners of the factory. The chauffeur fellow, he he told us uh, about the, the factory. He told us about the fact that uh, I, I don't believe... Michael, sorry, can you remind me um, with regard to the car that um, picked Katarina up and exactly what's known about it or who it might have been. Yeah, the memory serves correctly. The um, janitorial uh, gentleman that you spoke with at the train station said that an Alfa Romeo picked her up. Right, yes, okay. Um, but we've also spoken to the the Katarina's driver, haven't we? Because when, when we got yeah. him out of the um, police station. Um, I'm... I'm I'm just looking at my notes here, and I'm a bit hazy about exactly how we got this. This I've obviously not written it all down. Um, was it him that told us that he didn't know of anyone 
with an Alfa Romeo that would have been likely to have picked her up, but he did know that there was an Alfa Romeo factory out of town. Yes, so he he would have told you that he knew that, that obviously there's an Alfa Romeo, Alfa Romeo factory near town, uh, and that also he had arrived late to pick her up, mm-hmm. and that someone had, I mean, the the car he drove to would drove to pick them up was an Alfa Romeo. Mm. Katarina has the ability to go and get one, but also that when he arrived at the station, they had already been picked up. Yeah. And so there's a lot of assumption, at least from the whispers that you've heard. Some people think that he might be involved in it because she's missing and mm-hmm. a driver picked her up and her driver drives an Alfa Romeo and that was the only car that was seen picking her up. But we didn't, we have no idea how many people were in, in that Alfa Romeo that did pick her up or... Well, it would have been, you, know, you don't you don't know how many people were in it originally, but you do know that it would have been uh, Miss Cavallero and then at least an assistant or two. So it would have had to have been, it would have had, had to have been space for four at least. Right. Okay. Okay. So what I'm thinking, perhaps, now, uh, I, I don't know if, if, if I'm maybe barking up the wrong tree here, but uh, is... Miss Cavallero was expecting an Alfa Romeo with her driver to come and pick her up. When she disembarks from the train, there is an, an Alfa Romeo waiting for her um, with a, a different driver who perhaps tells her, oh, your man is not well today. I am, I'm a replacement. Uh, just get in and I'll take you where you need to go. Um, however, that driver is under the is, is in the employ of some other party and has taken her somewhere else. Alfa Romeo's common in this city. I mean, if the factory is outside the city, but they are still an expensive car, are they common within the city or not? Well, o- only uh, only in terms of the, the those who are wealthy enough to uh, uh, to own one. Uh, I wouldn't say they were a, a very common car. So either either whoever has picked her up has been a wealthy person or has had a servant who is, uh, is, is has taken the, their car or it is connected in some way with this, this factory. Perhaps a car has been uh, borrowed or stolen from the factory in order to pick her up, to, to, to masquerade as, as the car she's expecting. Well, we have a name here from the paper and there's a union at this factory, correct? Aye, so it seems like. We're heading to the factory anyway. So let's speak with, let's investigate the factory and also speak with people from this union and see what we can shake out. I, I think, yes, if we, if we try and speak to the, the people from the union, perhaps find out what this fellow was arguing about to see if it is in any way connected. You never know. This might very well have been, uh, have been somebody who was, uh, who was either bribed or, or coerced or forced or, uh, or paid to, uh, to pose as a, as a driver for uh, Miss Cavallero uh, and then done away with to prevent uh, to the information spreading. Absolutely. It's either a red heron or it's not, but either way we're heading in the same direction. So let's go check it out. Aye, aye, let's do that. Okay. Well, I'm going to draw our episode to a close there. Uh, it's nice to have all of us back together, perhaps on physical, firm ground, at least for now. And uh, we look forward to entertaining you next week. <laughs>